Good afternoon. Just uh, drop us uh, a like, a comment, let us know if you can see and hear us okay. Um, I'm joined by Johnny, who's currently in Texas. How's it going, Matt? I'm good, I'm good. I'm in this not-so-sunny UK today. It's cold today, especially up north. But is, how is it, how's it in Texas? <clears throat> it's pretty uh, pretty dry, pretty hot. It's good, it's good. It, it's, mm, it's a bit too hot, but it's... It's going to be like 98, 98 Fahrenheit uh, in the coming days. So like tomorrow, I think it's going to be 98, which is, I'm not sure what that's in Celsius anymore. It's been too far along. <laughs> too, too long over that. Too it's long very humid though, isn't it, Texas? <clears throat> yeah, it's like a, like a dry heat. Um, you know, you don't get the breeze. So it's just like, yeah, just dry heat. So yeah, and Celsius about 37. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's sunny. It rains a little bit here as well, actually. It's uh, no, it's just, for the most part, it's been it's, it's quite nice, it's quite nice. That's good. Uh, I know Phil's joined us. Sean's joined us as well. Yeah, just wait for a few people to jump on before we get started. I know the <clears throat> streamyard's running a bit slow um, at the moment. It seems to be like you go live and then it takes like ages for Facebook to push a notification out. So hopefully, we'll have no more issues with this one today. Really? Yeah, we had we, <laughs> the Hive Live unfortunately cancelled last week because it well we did it but it, it failed midway through. So um, hopefully we have no no such issues today. Uh, Jay's joined us as well. Um, so yeah, today we're going to be talking uh, about the EU, which is ironic because you're in America, <laughs> which is also another massive market. Yep, yep. Everyone was telling me just move to the American market the move to the American market because it's just again it, it is like the UK on steroids it's uh, just the sales volume the margins everything is just everything's a lot better um, you can tell like you can tell like just the American people are just they're just wired differently to Europeans like this is yeah. just different people are like a bit more like I don't know what it is um, I don't want to start bashing Americans, but like, <laughs> completely, it's just the the different humans to the rest of the world. You know, the way I the way the way I see Americans, they all think they're in like their own like talk show. Yeah, they're all very like, uh, look at me, look at me, and I think they want like all the latest cool stuff and convenience, and they're like in an entertainment world, aren't they? They're all like grown up with that sort of different mindset, and they're the bigger spenders and. They're already huge amounts of debt, and yeah, it's just, it's it's great for uh, for retail. Having a retail, obviously, online retail business in America is great. Just and leveraging um, American spending habits. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's an interesting one here because you know you go to the grocery shop and it's it's reasonably cheap, like not cheap, but it's the same price as UK, better quality, a lot more choice. You go out for for dinner or pizza, it's just going to cost you a lot, a lot more. So it's, it's it's interesting, you know. You can save money here, but you can also have the expensive life as well, you know. Yeah, but, um, it's kind of contrary to, I would say, most of like mainland Europe because traditionally eating out in Europe is quite inexpensive, certainly compared to the UK. Mm -hmm. From what I've seen, you know, you can go to a restaurant in Spain and have a paella, or you can go to an Italian restaurant and you. You barely spend, you know, sort of twenty pounds on a on a three course meal, so it's a it's a considerable difference, I think. Were well, you a bit blurry? Is it the humidity? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure what's going on there. Hopefully the uh, focus will come back. But uh, yes, it's in, in your like Portugal, it's, you know, 10 to 15 euros for like a free course meal and wine. Um, each per person here, it's, you know, you know, you go to brisket, it's good for a brisket place. We can spend like $130 for two, uh, like a brisket restaurant. So it's, it's just different. It's, it's, Very it's different. different. Very different. Yeah. <clears throat> but that, I think that's the thing tapping into different cultures. Um, so, so back to what we're talking about today. So obviously we're going to be talking about selling in the EU. So I sell in the, in the EU and you do as well. Johnny, <clears throat> you do it quite yeah. successfully as well. Um, well, we've kind of got different approaches, haven't we? Because you've set up a company in Germany, is that correct? Whereas I just kind of uh, use third parties for my kind of compliance stuff. Yeah, so we have a, a different entity as well. Um, so we have a GmbH in Germany as well. Um, don't necessarily think that's the, the best way to do it. It's just the way we, we, we set it up because I, I set up with a business partner. Um, so I didn't want to go out. 100% by myself so for me it made sense to start an entity in, in, in Germany but can't say I recommend doing it that way it's it's, it's expensive and you got to deal with all the uh, German accountancies and software and got to deal with like you, you got basically you've got to understand German where you start your entity in, in Germany and you know basically travel there often because you have to go there every year for like a shareholder meeting and and all that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, you did much different to me. I think it's probably more optimal the way you do it. And Yeah, I do it, I do it quite a bit differently. Oh, Phil's just jumped in. Before we start talking about Europe, he wants to ask, um, did you mention something about Sellerboard integration with B-Stopped? Uh, I didn't know Sellerboard had an MCF multi-channel fulfillment feature. So I, don't, I don't know why I would integrate with them. This um, doesn't make sense, really. You know, there's uh, their analytics tool. It's a very good analytics tool, but, you know, they don't have an API. But, you know, what data would we pull from Sellerboard that we'd want for, for, for B-Stock and replans doesn't make too much sense. Uh, no, so we're not going to build that integration with, with Sellerboard. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a lower level analytics software. Not lower level, that sounds bad. But I mean, there's like analytics software, which is like the you know, analytics. And then there's obviously replans and what B-Stock does. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we want to, I'm not sure what's going on with this webcam, by the way. <laughs> I know Avanta is having issues with the connection. There shouldn't be any issues from our side, but... Um... If there's like a little um, settings cog and you can switch it between 1080p and like a lower resolution if it's a bit choppy. So maybe try try doing that there. Yeah. So, yeah, for us, our main goal is to potentially integrate with uh, you know, warehouse management systems where um, you know, we can pull in your local quantity of that of your warehouse and use that for our sort of forecasting systems so that's the eventual goal is to mostly integrate with um you know so we can track your sort of local inventory because we're not like an order management system where we're like deducting your local inventory when orders come through from ebay and all that sort of thing because then we'd have to charge you over a thousand pounds when the software is less than a hundred for now so like um yeah um, yeah, we might, we'll probably integrate with stuff like SaaS and stuff like that and, and, and companies like that eventually. But, 
not not like seller board probably not doesn't make sense to integrate with an analytics tool because we have analytics as well it's kind of like quite similar software i'd say except we have replans and stuff like that and yeah yeah I think we've got some connection disappearing. So apologies about that. I'm not. I'm not sure why. There's nothing on our side that's indicating that. Hmm. Like I say in a stream, you know, it's been having a few issues recently. So hopefully it will resolve itself. Um. So yeah, back to the European chat, um, which obviously today is the main topic of conversation. So I've I've set my business up very differently to you. Uh, I've set my business up. I, I operate out of the UK, and I have what's called uh, physical representation. So I have a company that. Um, I work with who basically they have their offices in the EU and I kind of funnel my communications through them. So what that means is I can have, uh, I can meet all the compliance requirements of having somebody based within the EU without having to set my own business up um, and do it that way, which makes life a lot easier. So I think we should, we should dial back to, to why you should sell in the EU. Cause obviously we've just talked a little bit about our, about our setups, but um, I think, the EU, a lot of people used to do EFN, and I think most people would agree that EFN pre-Brexit was fantastic because it meant you could get a lot of extra sales um, without any real additional work because what Amazon would do is they would push your listings onto European marketplaces and then send your orders to your European customers. So you it's a completely hands-off approach. Unfortunately, though, we did leave the European Union, which meant that EFN can no longer exist because we are not part of Europe. So Amazon, therefore, cannot move our inventory. The problem, of course, is Brexit has created a lot of challenges and getting back into Europe is now a little bit more complex than it was a few months ago. So a few before Brexit. But with them, complexities comes opportunity. And I think it's very much like the bundle situation where you have to put a little bit more effort in, create your own listings and all that. But that's why people are having so much success with the bundles that we've been teaching through the Hive. And that's why I think people are going to have a lot more success with Europe because there is so much less competition. Is that what you found in Europe as well? Um, yeah, there definitely is. There's less competition to the to the sales volume. Um, yeah, definitely, for sure. doesn't seem as many... Yeah, Germany does, doesn't encourage entrepreneurship. They they want everyone to be sort of robotic and work, you know, factory jobs. That's sort of the German mentality. They don't actually encourage any sort of creativity or entrepreneurship. So people don't go into that sort of field. Um, so yeah, there is definitely a lot more less competition. The thing about England is it's a great place for entrepreneurship so there's a lot of people want to be entrepreneurs and be financially free and um have that freedom where the rest of europe especially german they're more comfort and they know the government will look after them and um mm -hmm. they're more robotic i'd say in their in their mentality so that means there's less people selling on amazon and obviously more, more volume um so yeah uh, you know we 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 had a good q4 uh, you know, I think I mentioned this before, but the HFSS um, came to play in the UK where it just kind of hit chocolates really hard because you couldn't advertise. But, but last year, Q4, I hit the same sort of good sort of chocolate Q4 as I used to do it back in the UK. So, um, yeah, definitely less, yeah, less competition. Sure. Did you find it so much more profitable? Um, and yeah, like you said, there's so few lists, few sellers on listings, you know, 
traditionally, particularly, I think if you're in the arbitrage space and the wholesale space in the United Kingdom, then of course you're probably buying from the same places as many other sellers in the country. You're therefore putting products on the same listings and therefore it's very competitive. Um, one of the main advantages, of course, of, of, of doing the export model is that you can still buy in the UK, but then you can sell it on a much less competitive marketplace because people um, in the European Union are not necessarily buying from the UK because they've got their own distributors in the EU, so they wouldn't necessarily buy from the UK. What I found particularly with kind of like the arbitrage deals as well is like you'll notice, you know, Courage does a price drop and then Argos does a price drop and then John Lewis does a price drop and then, you know, every every Rayo does a price drop and all the retailers do a price drop, which means Amazon usually drops their price as well and it kind of drives the whole market down. But that doesn't happen in Europe because obviously it's kind of like the UK-European divide. So there's a great opportunity that I found of kind of like buying stuff um, on arbitrage sales and deals and then just shipping it into Europe because you're not dealing with that same level of competition and price tanking and, and price matching from all the different retailers driving the price down. So even simple arbitrage in its purest form of basically taking one product and moving it to another marketplace, which is essentially what OA is, Amazon Arbitrage, is taking stuff from retail shops and putting it or, or you know, other stores, online stores, and putting it on Amazon. You can do exactly the same with Europe. You can take arbitrage product from UK retailers um, and wholesalers and then move it into Europe where it's not only a less competitive marketplace, but it hasn't seen potentially the price drops and price aggression that you would find in the UK marketplace. So for me, that is one of the main advantages of Europe is, is being able to, to operate arbitrage in really its purest form. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's, it's, it's good opportunities to, to do that. It's, um, but it's, it's very complicated with the, the paperwork and uh, for, for my for, for what I do, which is sending pallets across, it does get pretty pricey and it's uh, a lot of paperwork. But I think for what you do in your sort of category, it's better because you sell more expensive goods, so the shipping cost per item is a lot less. Because we do you know, groceries, that's our main thing in the UK, and we export to Germany. Um, yeah. Yeah, if, if it's costing us like almost two hundred pounds per pallet, so um, you really have to optimize those pallets and get those shipping costs right. So, but yeah, you're right. Once you get that to Germany, you, you can do all the get the compliance right and all that stuff. Um, you know, it is it's got very good margins. So it's it's one of those things where um, if you get through that, you know, the, the roadblocks in, in the way. It's, it can be very profitable, and I know that's sort of like a lot of your business now, isn't it? It's, it's I don't know how, yeah. how what share of your business you're doing. Yeah, I, I think Europe is about thirty percent of our business now. Um, it's just grown and grown and grown, and I think people forget that Germany, the Amazon Germany marketplace, is larger than the UK. Just yeah. Germany. By getting yourself into Europe, you've not only got access to Germany, but you've now got access to. 300 million consumers. I can't quite remember exactly how many Amazon sites there are in Europe, but there's probably like 10 or 12, which obviously then service, because not every country in Europe has its own Amazon site, but they will obviously order from uh, other sites. For example, Portugal orders from Spain and, you know, not every, um, you know, Switzerland probably orders from either Germany or France, something like that. So not every, every country has its own Amazon marketplace. But, you know, you've got access to consumers in the entirety of Europe. Um, 
I think what's also really important to understand as well is that consumer tastes are different in Europe. Um, I think it's easier to make more profit because generally speaking, particularly for the German marketplace, German consumers tend to value uh, quality a lot higher, which means you can therefore sell better quality products um, at a higher price point and therefore make more profit margin. I think the UK is very much like the American mod market in terms of they want things as cheap as possible. And there's kind of like an achievement almost in oh, I managed to get this for nothing. You know, I paid I paid 50p for these pair of pair of shorts in Primark kind of achievement. Whereas I think in Europe it's very much more about the quality aspect, which really helps from a profitability point of view because you can sell much more profitable, higher margin products uh, and also potentially reduce your returns because the products that you sell in are of a better quality. So I think that's something that you is often overlooked is that the consumer tastes in Europe are very different to that of the UK and the American market. Yeah. I, I say on the fence, I'm on the fence there. I think, I think Americans uh, care more about price tag and they're, they're more like, Oh, I spent X amount and it's going to mm. be better. And they're less, you, you'll notice that when, you know, Americans are buying services, then they're less they're less right about the, the money I find than than Europeans. Um I think Germans are a bit are quite tight, though. I feel like I'm just bashing Germany. But, uh, <laughs> but um whenever like groceries and stuff like that, they're all they're a little bit they're a little on the tight side and it's a different they're different mentality as well. Um but again, for the sort of consumer, like you know, your sort of higher price value goods, um, do they value convenience more from going down the shop and finding a deal? I'm I'm not too sure, but it seems like it's, it's definitely working for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's to say, from our, our personal experience, we've found that the, the the consumers generally value the quality more in particularly Germany uh, and across Europe than than they do in the UK. Um, I think we've, we found that certainly on a lot of products. I'm just going to jump to Ben's comment. So Ben said, Europe is definitely an area that we are looking to expand into. The US would be a great market for us, but shipping to the US drives us pretty much out of the market. European shipping is still reasonable enough to get access there. That's a really, really good point. Um, shipping from the UK to the US, although completely viable in terms of it's easy to do, is very expensive you know it's um i think you where you referenced 200 pound a pallet there to send something to say germany from the uk you're probably looking at maybe four to six hundred pounds for a pallet to send that from the uk to the us and a lot of people who you know sell on the us marketplace they basically source from within the us or have their goods shipped safe if they're having private label products they have them shipped from china directly to the us there's no kind of intermediary there because the shipping takes a lot of the, the profit uh, out of it, particularly from a UK to US point of view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've only I've only really shipped containers from from the US, and it's always uh, it's always quite pricey. Um, but I guess that's sometimes the move, right? Is if you you really are selling a lot of volume, is it's sending uh, containers over this. Um, you do get in trouble. We, we we sometimes work with brands that want us to send goods into Europe, and they sometimes try and encourage us to send like container loads over. I'm just thinking, well, who's going to pay for this container? <laughs> like, who's going to take the risk on all this stock? And uh, 
you, you, you get some bad characters out there who just want you to take a lot of the risk, but that's a different uh, topic in working with brands and how they can sometimes try and get get you as a third party to take a lot of the risk and sell stuff that's not forecast because they're like, oh, this will sell X amount. I'm like, you don't know Amazon. It's not going to just, can't just sell a container worth of chocolates, uh, you know, in January over. It's just not going <laughs> to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's enough consideration. Um, again, optimizing sort of delivery costs is sort of half the game, isn't it? Right, getting it through customs and automating that system. And um, yeah, we've tried to build like a sort of mini system to try and get stuff to Germany. Getting like automating the commercial invoices. You know, you've got to store the different um, you know commodity codes and all that sort of thing. And um, Quite a lot of admin, and it, it, it is it is expensive. I don't, is is a pallet six hundred quid to to the US? I, have you looked into that before? Yeah, I've paid six hundred pounds to have a pallet shipped from the US to the UK before. Yeah, okay. Expensive it was for me to have a pallet shipped. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing when it comes to sort of groceries and, and items with lower value goods, it probably won't work. But for electronics, there's, there's always there's always some sort of, um, yeah some sort of uh, benefit there uh and u.s sort of goods as well quite expensive as well you know like i was uh always concerned like before like i deal with a lot of american suppliers and the prices were constantly going up and up and i was like this is crazy how how am i paying five dollars for like coffee mate um but actually going to the supermarkets over here, it's sort of a similar price so things over here are just quite expensive for like random goods um yeah but know. you've had quite good success shipping uh, again sort of on arbitrage form before obviously you do wholesale in terms of shipping you know uk um products to european consumers haven't you it's particular brands of chocolate that obviously are only sold in the uk and then you've done quite well on, on in the eu before yeah yeah but it's definitely seasonal some of the stuff just yeah. like the chocolates just died overnight uh we got to like January, February, and like this brand was selling a lot, and then it just sort of went overnight. So for me, it's sort of like a lot of our focus is going to be on on Q four. Um, but yeah, stuff like you know digestive biscuits and sort of UK products do work well in Germany. Uh, stuff like Vegemite and stuff like that does does work well. But uh, yeah, you basically what you really want as well um, is to is to focus on on the stuff that is manufactured in the uk which is not vegemite by the way but um you know to actually optimize all this stuff you've got to ensure everything is manufacturing the country of origin is in the uk because then you don't pay the uh the duty right i believe it's the duty there's no duty on uk manufactured goods to europe yeah that's that's right so that's sort of the uh the hack isn't it in a way isn't it yeah To, to avoid things is to have uk products and it's really identifying that is the it's the other thing as well is just making sure because some things a lot of things are manufactured in obviously china and india and other places and you don't you don't know it even though you might think it's a uk brand it's not it's been manufactured elsewhere so um that, that was the hack but yeah we've had a lot of uh definitely over q4 we had a lot of success and um you know terry's chocolates and stuff like that work really well and, and stuff like that and you know 
selling for a lot higher margins than they would in the UK, where a lot of this Q4 Christmas items kind of crashed a lot last Q4, and I know a lot of people were like sitting on stock. So uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. We still want. To, we still need to crack it more and get our systems down. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely true. Um, I mean, speaking of systems, I know Dan's put his comment on as well. Um, trying to ship from the UK to DE with UPS of VASC. So I'm just going to reference this because um, Amazon, to their credit, have actually done a lot, a lot over the past two years to help people get back into the EU. So obviously, initially, EFN kind of just died a death and it just disappeared. However, EFN can it does exist at the moment, you know, and you can have stuff shipped from the UK to European consumers. There is a lot of restrictions around what what can be sold. You know, it can't be over one hundred and thirty five pounds, and um, all the sales have got tax on, all got all vatted at the local country rate. So, for anyone who's not that registered, unfortunately, you can't take advantage of that. Well, you can take advantage of that, but it probably isn't going to be very profitable for you. Um, so, there is a few set, few things like that, but also there's a thing um, called Amazon ATS. So, uh, through a company called Avask. Now, this actually you were saying that the pallets obviously is 200 pounds and um, with this service what amazon do is they collect all your parcels uh, together in the uk and then they send them to, to warehouses in either france or germany um for free they actually yeah. don't charge you for this so all you have to do is get your stuff to a uk warehouse that's at your expense there is no partner carrier for that at the moment so you know how you you buy them through ups on amazon you print your labels it's like three quid a box you'll have to pay the full ups rate which is for me, I'm paying about six, seven pound a box, maybe ten pound with with insurance. So it's not too bad at all. But that is effectively to get that product all the way to to Germany or France because Amazon will move it for free for you. So you know they really, they have done an awful lot just to help people out, getting people back into Europe because I think they realise that, that the UK, like you said, the the, there's not that many entrepreneurs in some parts of the EU and therefore that's why there's not much competition. But that also means that Amazon customers are not very well served in the same way they are in the UK. And by having UK sellers, you know, ship back into Europe increases Amazon sales and increases UK sellers business as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's definitely the more you fuck around, the more you find out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah sure. there, is, there is definitely a, a bit of trial and error when it comes to um, shipping into the EU. You know, it's not quite as simple as, you know, you've got you've got to get things right and you've got to learn the processes. So it's um, it can be a little bit difficult. But the, the thing is, it's ironic because the barriers are, are an issue. Like you said, the barriers create paperwork. They are added cost. But the barriers are what make it profitable. You know, it's a very kind of catch-22 situation. The reason I'm having so much success in Europe is because most people are not bothering to, to get back into Europe anymore. Yeah. You know, it's a market of 300 million customers, and most people have just gone, I can't be bothered. It's too much effort. I'm just going to focus on the UK or focus on, it seems to be a lot of people have just kind of moved to the US marketplace, which is totally, totally fine. And it's kind of like this little gold mine in the corner that kind of everybody's just seems to have sort of ignored in the recent, in the past two years. So I'm very much a fan of Europe. Yeah, yeah. I think like some of the issues we had was a lot of the couriers um, made it difficult for us to sell because our German business is a different entity. We're sort of selling to them as a different customer. So what we'd do is be paying customs on both sides of the border. 
as well. So just stuff like that does become a bit of a bull egg where you're paying a, a lot of money, like 200 quid per side because of the complications of having two different entities and, and having to, and some wouldn't want that. Some would want your, if you're shipping to Amazon, they'd want you to have, uh, you know, that numbers on both sides of the, yeah. the countries. And there's definitely a lot of complications and uh, a lot of different paperwork and making sure you do it right. And um, again, um, I probably wouldn't recommend, I definitely wouldn't recommend them doing the way I did it, but I think the way you're doing it is, you know, it's the way I would do it if I did it again. So, um, you know, to learn from you, I'd probably have to bounce some ideas if I, if I have to rerun the ideas in my head, but I have to run, run it through you. But uh, having two different entities, that's, that's complicated for sure. Um, there's definitely a lot easier, easier ways. Um, there's a question here. Is it no duty in customs on all UK-made products to Europe or just groceries? It's um, all, all UK-manufactured product. Um, there is a percentage, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the percentage offhand. So the goods don't have to be entirely made in the UK, um, as long as like a certain amount of them is is uh, made in the UK yeah. as a percentage, then it will qualify as um, exempt from duty and customs. So, yeah. yeah, there's no duty or customs on that. Yeah, so I think if like a part of the ingredient is imported, but the majority of the manufacturing goes on in the UK, you'd count that as a sort of uk manufactured product um but yeah that's uh there's this, there's a few youtube youtube seminars on country of origin and that is uh extremely boring but um that's what matt's going to do in, in the hive is actually kind of spike this up and make it a little bit more interesting because you can go through all the hmrc stuff uh which is long and drawn out, and long and drawn out. i can tell you that much on youtube or what we're going to try and do is kind of summarize this because I've been through all this myself and it's just um, it's a bit boring. So it's a I think the beauty of as well as what um, I'm going to jump to this question here. So, um, you know, will you be going into more detail about this? I don't want to turn this into a sales pitch, but yes, um, we will be going into a lot more detail about the hive, um, learn how to get back into the EU um, since, since, you know, since Brexit. Um, so yeah, the, the beauty of what I've done is obviously I've been I've been in Europe since 2018. So I've been pre-Brexit and post-Brexit, and we've continued to sell. So we've been through all of the the registrations, the processes, the the good, the bad. Um, so what I will be doing essentially is kind of packaging all that information up um, in an Amazon-friendly way. So I'm going to give you all the information you need and all the information you don't, because like you say, if you go onto you know the EU tariff customs website. It's got so many rules that are completely not relevant to the majority of people, you know, because obviously trade is, is massive. It's about all the trade from Europe. It's not just about selling on Amazon, you know, and it's kind of going to basically be all the information that you need. Um, and I'll be introducing some partners as well that I use. And we've got managed to get some exclusive discounts as well for Hive members to use their services. So um some you'd be able to get a significant discount if you do want to get back into the into the EU through using our partner services. So yeah, it should be really good. But we'll be covering, you know, imports, exports, um, obviously selling on Amazon through EFN and Pan EU as well. And also one of the modules I'm really excited to teach people about is the opportunities since Brexit. So like the partnerships. So one thing we've done um 
recently is we've partnered with a company in the Netherlands. Now they want to sell in the UK, but they don't want to the hassle of setting VAT registrations up, creating fulfillment and all that stuff. So what we've said is, well, obviously we've already got that. We already sell in the UK. We've got our own warehouse. We've got a team of people. We can distribute products. So I, I've got, I, they actually approached me and they said, you know, would you be interested in distributing our products on Amazon in the UK and through your own website? And we've in the process of signing an exclusivity agreement where they're going to send us the product from Europe and we're going to we're going to um, buy it at wholesale price and sell it to UK consumers at, at the full retail price and, and make a profit in between. So that's one of the things I'm really excited to teach people is how to make these kind of, you know, um, partnership agreements and and dealing direct with brands. You know, there's going to be no brand registry issues. There's going to be no IP claims because you're working directly with the brand on a consistent supply basis. So that's something I'm really excited about. Nice. Uh, a few more questions. A few Go questions on. too. Um, so I have Pani Yu, but has any has anyone got experience importing to Germany? So yes, um, you you are Pani Yu as well, aren't you, Johnny? And obviously I'm Pani Yu. No, um, we're um, currently um, so Germany, Poland, and Czech Republic, which is the one before that. It's a level below. Ah, uh, yeah. So there's, yeah, BSI. You have to have three VAT registrations and minimum of three, but there's up to seven you can have um, to be Pani Yu. So obviously. Um, how it works without getting into too much technical detail is to store goods in a country, you have to have a VAT registration, essentially. So if you want to store stuff in Germany, you have to be VAT registered in Germany. Um, and obviously, if you want to store stuff in France, you have to have VAT registration in France. So having up to seven VAT registrations means that Amazon can move all your stuff around to local marketplaces and offer Prime next day on all your stock. The problem here is if you only have VAT registrations in Germany, there's, they can't offer Prime to customers in Spain because they physically cannot get that product from a warehouse in, in East Germany uh, to Spain in, in under 24 hours. It's just not possible. So you lose out on some of the Prime eligibility of your products if you don't have all the Prime reg pan registrations. Of course, you can still get the sales, but you know, you're not as competitive because you're not doing the next day thing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, for us... We wanted to start with, um, I can't remember what it's called, like Central Europe. Um, I can't remember the program's called, but yeah, the, the Central Europe, I'm just going to make it up, Germany, Czech Republic, and Poland. And then we will, as our systems get better and more stock, we'll, we'll move to Pan EU and take advantage of, of that as well. But, yeah. uh, you know, cool. if you register all these, you know, if you start too quickly, then um, there's a lot of paperwork and that's where sort of Matt's partners that uh, he's built up are, are going to be useful for, for that. Um, yeah. One thing is if you do start an entity in Germany, the, the, the paperwork and the VAT um, paperwork is, is a pain. You can't just use something like Xero or QuickBooks. You have to use the German sort of monopoly um, accountancy, which is, um, I don't know what it's called, so um, Germany are quite uh, monopolistic about what they use. They want everything to be sort of controlled by the government. So they have their own soft. The government has their own accountancy software called DateV. Um, yeah. yeah, that's the thing with sort of fat registration and stuff like that. And sometimes it's best to go through Matt's route and doing it for a UK LTD. And because there is a lot of paperwork involved in uh, having a bunch of different entities. Yeah. And, actually having a business near you 
um, it does adds a lot of complications. And I know a lot of people have wanted to start in Germany doing it my way, and they're like, nope, no way. So the way Matt's going to teach is going to be a lot more uh, hands off, a lot easier, and um, yeah. I think more profitable actually. Yeah, so, I, I agree. I agree. Um, Dan's just jumped in. He says that there's only two now, so it's changed. So they only have to have a minimum of two VAT registrations for for the eligibility, which is good because it used to have to be. It was originally five when I signed up, and then it went to three, and now it's down to two. So that's obviously Amazon trying to encourage people back in because not that many people are jumping back in on the EU opportunity. Um, <clears throat> ben said, "Sorry for another question. Do we still need to register in each country for VAT if all our products are exempt as we manufacture them?" Um, it's the VAT that stops us, to be honest. One VAT return is enough. So you only need to have a VAT registration where you store goods. So you could theoretically have one VAT registration in one country and distribute to the whole of Europe. Of course, you won't get the prime eligibility, but you can still send you know, all your products to all customers in the entirety of Europe through one VAT registration. So it's still um, entirely possible to set it up that way. So there's different ways to set it up, and I'll be teaching you guys, you know, all the different opportunities that are available um, through the Hive and the next training module. Yeah. So some people like will have Czech Republic. It's I believe the fulfillment fees are slightly cheaper, and you can leverage like reverse charges. And you know, if you want to get your prep cost done, uh, your prep done, you, some people go through like Czech Republic rather than Germany because you know labor cost is a lot lower than that. Yeah. So there's there's Europe's massive. It's just so much to it and like so much opportunity that's untapped because it's mm-hmm. it's it's really really it's complicated and it, it, for me i need to be as well like you know explain to me like i'm five years old sort of thing sort of thing on this because it's it's just a lot of complication a lot of paperwork and different ways of optimizing and yeah 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 because i know I, um, i'm not sure who this is but it says you know five months ago my shipment got rejected uh, again, this probably comes down to a simple paperwork issue. You know, again, I've trialed and errored it. We've had rejected shipments. It's about knowing where where to ship your goods through and what to put on the paperwork, and and they'll all go through completely smoothly. Um, you know, if you if you put the wrong commodity codes on, or you know, you haven't got um, a re- physical representation, you know, things like that, the shipment will just get rejected. So once you know the information, then it's easy to do. It's just a case of assembling all the knowledge to be able to do it right and not have all these hassles, which is hopefully what the hive is going to offer you guys is the information packaged in a nice way that will, will stop a lot of these issues and cause, you know, a, a lot of pain for people having rejected shipments and the like. Um, this one I think is for you, Johnny, yeah. uh, you do a lot of food products. Are you translating your food products into German? Um, five months ago, I received a shipment rejected by customs. I'm guessing for this reason. Never had it rejected from customs, but Amazon have definitely made items stranded because they haven't got the right translation. The problem with this and why it's a bit of a pain with groceries is if another seller on that listing doesn't have the correct labeling, translated label, then they will take down the entire listing rather than just take down your, your products. So Amazon are really fierce on this. So it's like... Everyone has to behave on the listing, not just one person. So it's a little bit ridiculous how they do that and how they take down the entire listing if there's not the correct labeling. They just assume every product's like that. But um, yeah, uh, it's one of those things where you almost want to create your own listing and brand registry over there and create your own food listings because you will get punished if another seller doesn't doesn't have the right labeling. Um, Never had anything rejected by 
like customs do. Um, you know, as long as you have the right, usually it's a case of having the right commodity code. And then there's also another code called the mooring code as well. So there's the commodity code and then the, the mooring code. So when you're doing your, making sure your commercial invoice is correct is, is, is essential. Um, you know, I've had brands speak to me and say like, why is this rejected? I'm like, yeah, your commercial invoice is completely, completely wrong. You haven't got like a mirroring code or anything like that. So um, if it's getting rejected, then yeah, check your commercial invoice, make sure the commodity codes are, are correct and using the right one. Yeah, Take a bit of time, time. very common to be rejected on that. And um, I think the problem is, is people don't actually know what a commercial, again, knowledge, people don't know what a commercial invoice is. They just kind of think it's an invoice, but it's not. It's just got to have a very specific set of information on the commercial invoice. And if any one piece of information is missing, then um, it gets rejected. I do think as well, the European Union are being particularly harsh on the UK um, as almost like a little bit of a punishment to say, this is why you should never have left Europe. So I think they are being particularly strict on a lot of shipments than they would potentially be from other areas, just as a big F you to say, this is why you should never have left in the first place because they didn't want us to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, like, uh... I can't, I'm not sure who, I was thinking this is from the Yvonne. Um, I get stuck with a per market notification. I don't understand what this is and how to set it up. Will you be covering this? Um, I, I'm not sure what the notification is. Um, if you can reach out to me, I can certainly look at that. But yeah, I'll be covering in the Hive and the next block of training all the, the setup and, and different things. Um, so we've got a good question here. So um, hi, guys. What's the difference between PAN-EU and EFN? Uh, and the difference is actually massive. Um, so essentially, EFN, or European Fulfillment Network, is where you um, have goods stored in the UK, and then you can have them, and then you can have the offers put onto, say, the French marketplace, the Italian marketplace, and Amazon will ship them from the UK to the EU. Um, now, this sounds fantastic, and it is pretty good, to be fair, but there's a lot of caveats. So the, the main caveat is that the maximum shipment cost is £135 or €150. Euros, so it can't be over that. So then that's that's the total shipment value. So it can't be over that. Uh, and also the fees are very expensive compared to domestic rates. They're about double, if not more, um, particularly on lower value goods. So, for example, if you're paying, say, £3 fulfillment for an item now, you're probably going to be looking about €7 Euros for the equivalent item to have that shipped to the EU. So great kind of program but in reality um with these kind of little caveats it can it can be an issue so what a lot of sellers do is to go for what's called the pan eu approach which is essentially having your goods shipped directly into europe uh, and then sent from a center in europe which means you get the local fulfillment rates so if you send your goods to germany then they will be shipped from a warehouse in germany to the german consumer and you'll pay the equivalent uh, rate so like if it's three pounds here it'll be like 350 euros whatever the equivalent rate is um which is the the rates are pretty much the same in most european countries to what, what you would pay in the uk um yeah so someone's just just basically elaborated on what i've said there um pauline has got a question says if you're only that registered in germany and have efn set up then would you only pay for local amazon fees not efn if your product sells in germany no You'd only pay the local rate if your product is stored in Germany. So 
Um, if you have, you can have EFN and Pan EU together, just to make that clear. So you can have stuff in Germany and stuff in the UK. You see, but you only pay the local rate if it's from an order of stock in Germany. So you can have both offers at the same time, and Amazon will always prioritize the local fulfillment. But you have to have the stock physically in Germany in order to benefit from the local fulfillment rate. So you know, if it's if it's if you've got a VAT registration but the stock isn't there. You still pay the the EFN rate, not the local rate. Yep, exactly. Um, so, so this is I'm not sure who this is. Sorry. Um, it says the shipment was rejected since customs wants me to translate the products in German. They also want me to have a local contact in Germany uh, and paste the information or on the label. Yeah. So this is what I was going back to saying. What's called physical representation. So I know you probably have you have this with your company by having a company inside the EU. You have to have somebody physically inside the EU. Now you can get companies on your behalf to do this. You don't have to do this yourself, but you do have to appoint somebody to have what's called physical representation and be physically inside the European Union. So also called a um, notified party, I believe, on the commercial invoice. Yeah. So on the commercial invoice, you can you have like sold to ship to and then like the notified party which is like your representation in in germany that they will contact for like custom questions and stuff like that yeah um it's interesting how they've looked at your products and be like that's not german so that's the first i've seen about them actually rejecting for that reason mm -hmm. that's just bad luck i imagine um mm -hmm. that's a, you it probably it probably stems from a paperwork issue though. You probably had a paperwork issue which initially flagged the shipment, uh, and then that's obviously been investigated because it's been investigated. The, the the aim of the game here is very much to kind of make sure your paperwork's in order so your shipment doesn't even get checked and just goes straight through through and flies through. Um, you'll still get spot checks, but you know if your paperwork's all in order, it stops that kind of further investigation. You know if something looks wrong. Then they're going to pull the shipment apart and try and find everything that's wrong with it, and that's probably probably why your stuff, Johnny, has flown through and, and this person's hasn't because you know they've they've got a paperwork issue, which has then led to a investigation and found that the labelling's also incorrect. Um, that's partly why they've they've rejected it as well. So yeah, just wrap your pallets and commercial invoices. Just put everyone. <laughs> Three copies as well. That's another thing people don't forget. You've got to send three copies. People only put one in. So yeah. there's lots, lots of little things. I think over, over, over the year, you know, over a few years I've been doing this, we've learned just to make everything as smooth as possible uh, and make everything as easy as possible. Uh, that helps everything get through. Yeah. Cool. I don't think we've got any more questions. Is um, this the same question, or I think it's the same question. Same okay. question as, as the one above. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah I feel like a lot of these things are require more detail, more more thought. You know, to we can give sort of general answers and helps here, but you know, in the hive, obviously, we can give the detailed questions. And Matt, you're obviously going to run through this uh, and break all this down, uh, yeah. so it all makes sense. Um, but you know, you don't want to give too much advice. You know, official advice here. We can sort of lead you in the right way, but to actually get the detailed advice. You know, we'd have that think through in a proper talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what we have the hype for, essentially. Yeah, um, 
Is the process for selling our unique bundle across EFN the same as normal OA other than creating the listing for these? Um, so uh, it's it's similar, but not, not quite the same. So the listing process is slightly different because you obviously have to have a listing um, on an individual marketplace. So you would have to you'd have to make sure you've got a, a listing on each individual marketplace. Um, but generally speaking, it's it's not too difficult to set up EFN. Obviously, you've got to make sure that your costs work and your profits, profitability um, is, is right because the fulfillment fees are going to be considerably higher as well. But it's not too difficult to set up um, once you've got the listings done and you've linked, linked the ASINs that way through the different marketplaces. Exactly. I think the other thing with EFN is if it contains some sort of food item, it's I don't think EFN at the moment accepts food food products. It's uh, they're quite they're quite tight on EFN, aren't they? They don't allow all the different sort of products, which is a is a pain because obviously back in the heyday, um, everything was allowed back in you know, <laughs> back, I mean, in, back in the European days. Exactly, everything was. Um definitely allowed so um the good old days are low interest rates and being started, but... <laughs> and, and yeah european access yeah uh, yeah someone's um commented here so put four on the outside the box and one in the box you'll have less problems yeah so lots of things like that a lot of tips and tricks um you know that you can you can add on um someone said where can i hire you for consultation if you want to learn about europe um join the hive uh, it's the best place and obviously we, it's a membership group um, we'll, someone said, you know, when are we going to be teaching this? This is going to start uh, on the 20th of June is going to be the first European session. So we've got one more session about unique bundles, which is our previous training topic. And then we're going to be moving on to the European side on the 20th of June. So yeah, if you're interested, um, make sure you get yourselves in there before then I'll pop a link on the, in the, in the comments as well. Yeah. Uh, well, we need separate GS1 barcodes for EU listings as we would translate packaging, etc. I guess Amazon will reject a new listing with an existing barcode. I don't think, so. um, I don't think you need new EANs. Um, if you look at most products, if you see most products have, have an, an EAN is by definition, uh, sorry, GS1 barcode, an EAN, a European article number, is for the entirety of Europe. So you only need you only need an, an one EAN to have the, the listing in the entirety of Europe. Uh, most people, you know, have translations of multiple languages. You look at most products, the outside of the boxes has like five different languages on and the instruction manual in five different languages in order that they only have to produce one product and be able to send that to the entirety of the EU. So, yeah, I mean, you want to consider your packaging to make sure it's, potentially got all the language options on there, then you wouldn't have any issues, but the barcode, you'd only need one barcode um, and one ASIN for, for a product. Yeah. Um, so someone, someone clarified that GS1 is, is worldwide. It's worldwide, yeah. Uh, and there's a question here, how much is going to Europe? So for me, it's uh, we negotiated um, with Ken and Kuna Nagel it's like 160 for a pallet plus customs, and then you have to pay customs on the other side. So it's about 200 for a pallet. It's a lot. Um, so say like we can usually fit about 600, 500, 600 grocery items on a pallet. So what that means is it's it's going to look at about 30, 40p of 
about 40p of delivery costs and then there's obviously a lot of admin and then there's sometimes duty if it's not a UK country of origin um so yeah you're you're you know all in you're bringing a look about one pound we, we do about one pound per product but for more expensive stuff it's going to be yeah, well, I, I actually technically my european shipping is free i don't actually pay for european shipping so i only have to go to the uk um so through the ats program it, my shipping is completely free uh to europe um but i do have to pay a 60 euro per shipment clearance fee plus obviously any applicable duties and or vat um that you you know that you have to pay also with customs it's like a scaling thing if you have more commodity codes then you'll pay more money if you only have only have maybe three commodity codes it might be included in the actual original thing but usually it's like a it's more money per uh, commodity code because there's more admin work for them yeah so again like you you probably optimally want to send like just chocolates at the same so if it's Q4 don't send chocolates now chocolates don't work in the Germany <laughs> uh, right now we're just still sitting on some of our chocolate listings um, but yeah you just want to send like you want to kind of group it and consolidate the same sort of products at the same time yeah yeah. Um, someone's asked so what can I expect from the membership so I'm assuming they mean the hive so what can you expect from the hive so um, we'll have um, <clears throat> training the next training block is going to be about how to sell in Europe so there's going to be at least one training session a week, either live or, or and or pre-recorded training. Um, so we do one one live, which will either be training and Q and A, or just a Q and A about the previously recorded um, training. The reason is some of it's recorded is just it's it's better delivery. It's not necessarily that you know we don't want to do it live, but it's easier for me to do a step by step guide when it's pre-recorded than it is to do it you know live and talk through it and then you have to go and watch it back rather than just pausing the video so it's that's why we do some things live and some things pre-recorded um, of course you get access to the private group as well where you'll be able to ask questions um and get priority access to ourselves and other other um you know high level sellers and it's a it's a great community as well of a great knowledge bank not just about europe but about all different um aspects of selling on Amazon where you can, you can ask questions and um, it's really a great community. Wouldn't you agree, Johnny? It's, it's a good community of people with some really good knowledge in there. Yeah. So eventually you get, you will get access to the previous courses. Um, there's also, I, I run sourcing workshops, um, you know, bi-weekly usually um, again, access to us. You'll get discounts to different, services softwares we have our own software that we're developing which again you get highly discounted rates for which is like again one of a kind sort of replen software which uh again nothing like it so there's a whole bunch of things and it's again it's not like we're asking for three thousand pounds up front it's it's 99 pounds per month which is like absolute nothing to have you know access to people who do multiple yeah. seven figures a month and live financially freely so it's um you know it's still a new service of of less than a year you know we've been running this for six months now or something or so seven yeah, months. Six months now yeah 
so currently the price is, is more of an introductory price as we as we started but you know we'll be going up but at the moment it's, it's you can lock yeah, yourself the price will be increasing shortly we'll begin people not just saying that to get people on we are generally putting the price up soon so yeah but like yeah it's the it's the best affordable you know I'd, again recommend to me any sort of service that can can match it and i'll join it because you know there's nothing like it that, that that's just not me pitching but i'm always looking for coaching always looking for training i'm always looking for education i will pay money for it but there's nothing better value than this there really isn't yeah yeah fantastic um for the 80s program you have to revert at least two countries the honest answer is i will get back to you and confirm i don't think so uh, obviously you would have to have at least germany or france to ship to germany or france but i don't think you need to i will i will clarify that um, with them, with with a VASC and ATS, but I, I think you, as long as you've got Germany or France, I think you'll be okay. Is it ATS still invite only? Um, no, I think you can apply for it. I don't think it's invite only. You have to inquire. It's not something you can just um, instantly access. You have to be enrolled for it. But I, I don't think it's on an invite basis anymore. It was on invite about two years ago, but it's not anymore. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, so Scott said he's really looking forward to training. I'm really looking forward to delivering it as well, so that's good. Um, someone said, can you explain ATS? So I don't want to get into... Oh, so Scott, again, don't, don't want to get into much detail on this, but um, essentially how it works is you ship your products to a warehouse in the United Kingdom. Um, uh, Amazon then collates all these parcels into one trailer, and then they send them to either Germany or France, and then they receive them in the fulfillment centers in Germany or France, wherever it's gone to. Uh, and then your goods are available for sale in Germany and across the European Union. If you have more registrations than just Germany, they will then separate the stock and move it around the EU to get what they think is the best sales and prime eligibility in all countries. Or if you wherever you have that registrations is where they will store the stock. So. Yeah, it's a really good little program. There's some pitfalls. It's not very quick. It does take a while. Um, that's the main pitfall because obviously Amazon have to collate all the parcels. You know, they have to fill a trailer. They won't send an empty trailer. Whereas obviously UPS, if you send one box to that country, then it will get there in a couple of days. Amazon will wait until they've got all the parcels together and they'll clear them all together. So there can be a delay. And if one person's paperwork isn't right, it can delay the whole trailer. But it is a very inexpensive way to get back into Europe compared to the direct shipping reproach, which obviously you yourself do, Johnny. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd say mine's, uh, if you're doing big, big volumes, there are, there are benefits of the way I do it because uh, economies of scales and you know, cheaper custom rates and you know, that sort of 30 pounds to 50 pounds or custom rate gets squashed when because yeah, it's a one-time sort of fee. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's eight o'clock. Oh, eight o'clock in the morning now. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's the the hour done. Um, obviously, and if you're in the UK, I imagine it's, it's two p.m. Uh, usual yeah. time. But um, uh, what I can say is, uh, I'm looking forward to to learning uh, from your course. I haven't actually seen it yet, but um, I'm looking I'm looking forward to learning your way of doing it. Something I might implement for my UK business. As well, on top of doing it for my uh, German entity, but it's it's going to be good to sort of learn it in a more fun way than than learning it through HMRC and going through lots and lots of paperwork. <laughs> yeah, really definitely. Yeah, 
um yeah thanks everyone for for listening um for me it's, a, it's an early start to me so uh i'm kind of getting going now yeah if i'm gonna do it again i do it for my bed yeah <laughs> yeah all right Cool. Well, guys, we'll see you all soon. I think Natalie's back next week, and um, I think she's got another guest. So we'll um, we'll see you soon. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye.